I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in the book of Malachi once again. We will pick up where we left off last Sunday. This morning we'll cover Malachi chapter 1 verses 6 through 14 in a message entitled, Giving God Our Best. Giving God Our Best. One of the worst things that I ever heard as a child was when I would ask my parents, what's for dinner? And they would say, leftovers. Anybody else identify with that? Who wants leftovers? What's wrong with you people, right? I could not, with the exception of a few meals, stand leftovers. I didn't want leftovers. I wanted something real. (laughs) I wanted the authentic thing right off the stove or out of the oven or whatever it may be. I didn't want leftovers. What we're going to see in the text this morning is God's people bringing to him in worship leftovers. Whatever was left over was all they would bring to the Lord. And as we look at the text, as I read it here in just a minute, I I want you to place yourself in this situation as we find God's people seeking to worship him as God had prescribed in the Old Testament through the sacrificial system, knowing that for us today, Jesus Christ is the once and for all sacrifice that's been offered, but also keeping in mind that Paul reminds us In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. So we can look at the text this morning and we can say, well, this really doesn't have a whole lot to say to us today. And yet what I want to argue and talk about this morning is the fact that if we're not careful in our lives as believers, we will bring God the leftovers. Not a heart that is truly devoted to him, but just what's left over. And so as we think about that, I want to read the text for us this morning, beginning in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, going down through verse 14. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? 
And now entreat the favor of God that He may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will He show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts, but you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick. And this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations." Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Kind of a tough passage, isn't it? When you look at what's going on in the text, and I don't want you to lose sight of what's happening in the nation of Israel at this point in time. Remember, as we discussed last week, they had been in captivity in Babylon. They had been released, go to back to their home country. They had begun the rebuilding process. They had reestablished the temple. They had begun to put all the pieces back in place. And what they knew is that God's promise to them was that if they would follow Him, if if they would walk in obedience to him, that he would bless them as a nation, as a people. And we saw that they had a problem with the way God was going about doing it. See, they knew that God had promised to bring about a a Savior, a Messiah, that God had promised that He would do this for His people, but they were still waiting, they were still longing, they were still looking, and for them, they began to question God. They began to wonder, is God really going to do what He says He's going to do? And in fact, they had come to the point where In their life, in relation to the Lord, they were simply going through the motions. They were still going to church, but they didn't really want to be there. They were still offering sacrifices, but as we see in the text this morning, they were not the sacrifices God had called them to offer. In fact, you could describe their worship in this way. It was half-hearted. It was not 
wholehearted devotion to the Lord and expressing that in worship to Him. It was just leftovers. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea. It's going to frame our time together, and as we walk through the text, it'll give us a a roadmap as we walk through. It's this truth, the greatest gift we can give God in worship is our heart. And I've said this before, church, the heart of the matter is always the heart. Now, I don't want you to get bogged down as we look at the text this morning and what's going on in the nation at this point in time as they worship through the sacrificial system. I do want to call your attention and remind you that God has called us as believers, those who've trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. So as we look at the sacrificial system, as we are reminded that we no longer live under this sacrificial system, that Jesus Christ is the once and for all sacrifice offered on our behalf, let us not forget though that God's call in our lives as a believer, Paul reminds us in Romans 12, is to offer our lives as a sacrifice on the altar to the Lord. So think about this, every single second of every single day, you and I are worshiping something or someone. You raise your kids in such a way as you are worshiping someone or something. You treat your spouse in a certain way and it reflects what you're worshiping. You work at your job in a certain way and that reflects who or what you're worshiping. You spend your money in a certain way and that reflects who or what you're worshiping. I want you to notice that as we look at the text this morning beginning in verse 6, This truth, God is deserving of wholehearted worship because of who He is. God is deserving of wholehearted worship because of who He is. Notice the question posed to the nation of Israel from the prophet Malachi, from the Lord. This is what the Lord says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest who despise my name. But you notice the two words that the Lord uses to refer to himself there. The first one, father, The second one, master. Those are the two words here. And in relation to that, the Lord speaking to his people asks the question, if I am your father, where is the honor that should be shown to me? And if I am your master or your Lord, then where is the fear, the reverence that should be devoted to me. Now let's think about that in terms of our relationship with the Lord. 
Because those two characteristics of God, his fatherhood and his lordship in our lives should affect the way that we worship him. And as we look, what we recognize is that God is saying to his people, if you understand who I am as your father and if you understand who I am as your master, it will grow. Let's unpack that in this way. How does God relate to us as a father? We looked last week at God's love for us. We talked about the incredible, unconditional love that God shows us. We saw it in the, in the nation of Israel. We see it in our own lives as believers as well. What we recognize, what we understand is that God relates to us very much in terms of a father. Now, Some of you, I said last week, may not have had the best father in your life. When you think about God as a father, that doesn't really bring the warms and fuzzies in your life. But I want you to notice that God is our perfect heavenly Father. That His love for us is unconditional. His love for us was demonstrated in sending His Son, Jesus Christ. And so the question that He asks His people is, where is the honor knowing that that is my relationship with you? I think every father who's here Maybe a question that you've asked your kids before. Where's the respect? Don't talk to me like that. You ever had that? Some of you are looking at mom and dad right now going, you've said that. But that's the question right here that the Lord asks of his people. How do you go through what we're going to see here in just a little bit and not show the honor that's due to me as your heavenly father? And then ask the same question in terms of being a master. He says, if a servant responds to his master in a certain way, and if I am your Lord, then why in the world would you not respond to me in a certain way? As we think about that as followers of Jesus, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then Jesus you have declared is Lord of your life. And the two words that can't go together in the life of a believer are no Lord, right? Because the fact is, he is master of our lives. And so the Lord in talking to his people says to them, if I am your father and if I am your master, that greatly affects the way in which you go about worshiping me. And worship is more than just what we do here on Sundays. It is every moment of our lives lived out in worship, ascribing worth to something or someone. I told you before that the Lord, through the prophet Malachi, would make a statement, ask a question of his people, and that his people would turn around and say, what are you talking about? 
We saw that last week when the Lord says, I've loved you, and his people responded back, how? How have you loved us? And then here they ask the same question. Lord, you're saying to us that we're not showing you honor and that we're not submitting to you as our master as we worship you. Here's the question from the people. You say, how have we despised your name? It's almost as if God's people are looking and saying, prove it. What do you mean I don't show you respect? What do you mean I don't show you honor? And what we're going to see is that they are going through the motions of worshiping the Lord, but it's half-hearted worship. It's leftovers. I want you to notice as the Lord responds once again through Malachi beginning in verse 7. I want you to notice this truth, half-hearted worship looks remarkably different than wholehearted worship. Now parents, we know how this plays out in our homes. Two siblings are fighting with one another. One has wronged the other one. And parents, you say to the sibling who's wronged the other one, you need to say, what? I'm sorry. And the child says, I'm sorry. <laughs> They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, hang on just a second. Look at your sister or your brother and say it like you mean it. So listen, we know what half-hearted attempts look like, right? But here's what the Lord is about to say to his people. That same mentality is how you've approached worshiping me. You're going through the motions of it, but your heart is not in it. And it looks very different. Beginning in verse 7, the Lord says, this is how I can prove it. By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? So notice what's going on here. The Lord is saying to his people, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're walking through the motions of worship as it's prescribed in the Old Testament through the sacrificial system. God had said, here's how you are to worship me. Sins are to be forgiven as blood is shed on the altar. That is how the Lord had set up the system. And we see that fulfilled in Jesus Christ's blood shed for us. But they are walking through the motions. But what the Lord had said is, don't bring what's left over and offer on the altar. In fact, bring the very best that you have. And so the Lord would say to them, you don't bring blind animals and offer them as sacrifice. You don't bring lame animals and offer them as sacrifice. You pick the best and you bring that to the Lord and you offer that to Him. 
The Lord says, how do I know that your worship is half-hearted? Because it's really, really obvious. You're bringing not the best. You're bringing simply what's left over. Now let's think about that in terms not of just the nation of Israel here, but believer, let's think about that in terms of your life and my life. When we come in this room to worship, I don't know about you, but there's a lot that we bring in on Sundays. We bring in the past week that we've had. For some of us, that past week was incredible. You made that sale, your kids got all A's, you didn't have a fight with your neighbor. I mean, things went really, really well this past week. And so when you come in, you come in excited. You come in having experienced an incredible week. But for others, you've come in and it really hadn't been that great of a week. You didn't get that sale. Or maybe you got that diagnosis that you weren't expecting. Or maybe you fought with a family member or with a neighbor. Maybe work wasn't that great this past week. Maybe, let's all be transparent, you came to church fighting in the car with your kids or your spouse. Amen or ouch, right? Let's just be all transparent with each other. But, let's be honest, that affects how we worship. It affects when we sing. It affects our attention as we are spending time in God's Word. It affects our giving. It affects every aspect of our lives. And so the question that the Lord poses to his people here is, why are you bringing to me just what's left over? Why are you bringing what, he's going to say here in just a second, you wouldn't offer to a politician if they showed up? To the governor, you wouldn't give this gift. You would give the very best that you had. But here, you're just bringing to church whatever's left over. Let me ask that question of you and of myself. Have we brought in today just what's left over? Now, here's what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is if you had a difficult week, you just have to check it at the door and not bring it in with you. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. It is obvious as you come in on Sundays, you know it and the Lord knows it, whether your heart is devoted in worship to Him as we sing, as we pray, as we give, as we spend time in God's Word, or whether you're just offering the leftovers. And let's expand it beyond just coming into God's house. Let's think about our lives lived as an act of worship to the Lord, of ascribing worth to Him. What about at your job? What about when you go into the office? Do you look at that as an opportunity to worship the Lord through the way in which you work? To worship the Lord in the way you go about doing what God has called you to do? Or is that really kind of the furthest thing from your mind? You're like, it's just a job, pastor. Gotta put food on the table? But no, do you see it as an act of worship? 
When you sell something or when you build something or when you teach a kid in a classroom or whatever your vocation looks like, you have an opportunity day in and day out to do what God has called you to do as an act of worship to Him. Is your heart in that? Do you see that? Do you recognize that that is what God has called you and equipped you and gifted you to do and that is an opportunity for you to praise Him in doing it well? Same thing happens in your relationships. You're able to function as a parent or as a spouse or as a grandparent, or as a brother, or a friend, in such a way that you are ascribing worth to the Lord. And here, what God is saying to His people is, it's evident your heart's not in it. It's evident you're just going through the motions. It's evident that you don't recognize and understand and comprehend that I am worthy of your worship because I'm your heavenly Father. I'm worthy of your worship because I am your Lord. And every opportunity we have should be lived in wholehearted worship before the Lord. He says, beginning in verse 9, and now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. Notice verse 10. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. And I will not accept an offering from your hand. Got pretty drastic, didn't it? The Lord says, if half-hearted worship is all that we can muster, it's better to shut the doors. Because God is deserving of wholehearted worship of Him. God is deserving of every ounce of worship we can muster to Him. So let's ask the question, what happens if we come in knowing, pastor, kind of half-hearted today? I just don't know that I'm in it today. I don't know that I really want to sing today. I don't know that I really want to listen to you for 30 to 35.5 minutes, right? I just don't know if, if I got it in me today. Can I just say to you that God is gracious to us as His people. That God knows your hurts, God knows your heart before you walk in the door. That as you walk in, God knows whether or not you are wholehearted here to worship Him or whether you're just checking the box this week. But there's an opportunity for us as we walk through the door to say things to the Lord like, God, my heart is just not in it today. Would you change it? Would you do a work in my heart to change it so that as I sing and as I hear your word and as we pray and as we interact with one another that, that it's wholehearted towards you? 
Is God, I come in and serve in the kids' ministry or wherever else I serve that, that I wouldn't come in and serve with half-hearted devotion to you, but that I would come in and, and you would do such a work in my heart that it would flow out of me. As you get ready to go to work tomorrow, some of you are dreading that. Some of you are thinking, not again. Is it really Sunday? Is Monday tomorrow? Is it not a holiday? But here's an opportunity for you right now between you and the Lord to say, God, I, I don't really like my job. I don't like my boss. I don't like my coworkers. I don't like what I'm doing necessarily, but I know you've put me there and you've called me to do what I do there in such a way that it brings glory and honor to your name. And, and I want to do that with every ounce of my being. I want to worship you in that job. I want to worship you as I raise my kids. I want to worship you as I interact in the relationships that you've given me to interact in. God, I want to worship you with my entire heart. You know, one of the things that I've found is come in every single week, preach God's word. As a pastor, sometimes it's hard not to get cynical. You've probably experienced that same thing. Sometimes it's hard to come in and to think, we're doing that again? I'm going to preach again. Is it making an impact? Are people's lives being changed? Or are we just checking the box once again, week after week? And yet what I know is true is that God is at work. And sometimes I have to pray that prayer before the Lord. God, I don't really want to preach this morning. As enjoyable as Pastor Scott is, there's times he doesn't want to sing Sunday mornings. There's times you don't want to come in and participate, and yet the Lord gives us an opportunity week in and week out to gather and to worship Him, and He's deserving of our worship. I want you to notice that the Lord continues in verse 11, and it's this third truth I want us to be reminded of this morning, that God will receive wholehearted worship now and forever. Notice what he says beginning in verse 11, for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations and in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but God's not questioning whether this is going to be true or not. God is saying, this will be true. My name will be praised. There are worshipers on this earth and there always have been who are willing to offer the Lord wholehearted worship. I don't know if you remember the scene with Jesus as he's talking to the crowd 
And he says, listen, even if you want cry out in worship to me, the rocks will. Bring it. If you won't cry out in worship, the rocks will. Why? Because God is deserving of our worship. And here, he reminds us that he will receive worship from all people. He continues on in verse 12, but you profane it. When you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is its food, may be despised, but you say, listen to this, what a weariness this is. Think about that. The Lord is saying here that worship will come. That there will be worshipers now and forever who will ascribe the worth that the Lord is due. But notice what he says to his people. Here is their response. This is tiresome. What? This is weary. Like I'm just tired of going to church. I'm tired of singing the songs. I'm tired of giving. I'm tired of worshiping. That, that's the response from God's people here. And the Lord says, you're snorting at it. Like you're looking at me as your father, as your Master, and you're saying, oh, this is just so tiresome. Again, I gotta do it again. Notice what the Lord says. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring is your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Curse me the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. Listen. Listen to how the Lord closes this off. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Church, hear me this morning. Believer, hear me this morning. God is deserving of worship because of who he is. And not only that, he will receive the worship that is due his name. Here's the good news. He invites it to come from us. As we gather every Sunday, as we walk through our week, as we work at our jobs, as we raise our kids, as we spoil our grandkids, as we live in this world, God has invited us to participate in what the world is doing, and that is from every tribe and tongue and nation, there are people praising him because he deserves it, because he's worthy. And you and I have the privilege of doing that too. You and I have the privilege of waking up every morning and before our, heat, our feet hit the floor to say, God, this is your day. God, I've got a chance this day to worship you. God, I have a chance at my job to worship you. I have a chance to raise my kids and worship you as I do that. I have a chance to clean the bathroom toilet as an act of worship to you. Every second 
of every single day is an opportunity for us to live lives of sacrificial worship to the Lord. And the question is, will we? God's people here, they weren't willing. They weren't willing to live as an act of worship to the Lord. They weren't willing to come into his house and praise him because he's deserving of it. They were willing to give leftovers. Is that all you're willing to give? Or are we willing to give God wholehearted worship that he deserves? I want to ask you if you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Our worship team will make their way back up. We'll have an opportunity to respond to the Lord right now. As we consider living a life of worship, what is true is that you cannot truly worship the Lord apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you may have come in today and you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I want you to know that today you have an opportunity to surrender your life to a heavenly Father who loves you so much, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay the debt of your sin. And He offers to you an opportunity right now to receive the free gift of salvation. So that you can call Him your Heavenly Father today. If you need to take that step, I want to encourage you to take it today. Don't delay. But use this time in just a few moments to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. To express to the Lord in a prayer right here, right now. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need to be saved from my sins and I believe that Jesus Christ paid the debt I owe I believe that he rose from the dead securing salvation from me and right now I receive that gift if that's a prayer that you know you need to pray I want to encourage you in just a few moments as we worship together once again through singing. Would you make your way out into the foyer this morning? Give me an opportunity to talk with you, to lead you in that prayer. If nothing else today, Would you take this opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus Christ for the first time? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask this simple question. Are you worshiping the Lord, not just in this room, 
but in your life in a wholehearted way. Maybe this is an opportunity for you at the beginning of this year to say, God, I I realize that oftentimes I bring half-hearted worship to you. Half-hearted worship and church when we're gathered, half-hearted worship and my marriage and my job, raising our kids. But God, you're deserving of so much more than that. So God, would you change my heart? Would you light a fire in it? Help me see who you are and that you are deserving of wholehearted worship. And let that be what comes in my worship of you. Maybe for you, you want to take the opportunity to come down and spend some time on your knees before the Lord at the front of the stage. Simply as an act of worship to him. Say, God, I'm bringing you right now wholehearted worship because you deserve it. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it reminds us of who you are. As a father, as Lord and master of our lives as believers. God, thank you that it reminds us that you're deserving of wholehearted worship. Help us not settle for just bringing you the leftovers. We ask that in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and would you sing in response to the Lord? If you need to take that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you meet me in the foyer? If you want to spend some time on your knees before the Lord at this altar, you can do that as well.